You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. It's Christmas Eve. And Christmas Eve is a great night to take a second look into the manger, isn't it? And that's what one father thought as he was uh, getting ready to put his kids to bed. He took a second look at that manger as he was going upstairs and saw that the kids had kind of enhanced it. They had added a few uh, elements from their own uh, toy chest. I was a little bit surprised to see Barbie kneeling down before the Christ child. Shocking, but, you know, somehow appropriate. Um, and then there was an action figure with a sword upraised standing next to the baby and I don't really recognize that. So I thought he'd ask his boy about it. And as he was upstairs, then tucking in his seven-year-old son, he said, you know, I noticed uh, an action figure. He had a sword raised up, and he had duct tape on his face. And I, I was just wondering what that was. And his son said, oh, yeah, he, he's there to project, protect the baby Jesus. Uh, you know, he's part of the Christmas story, Dad. And his dad said, oh, yes, of course. Um, remind me what part of the story... And his son said, oh, he's the silent night. <laughs> you see, uh, Christmas Eve can be a little confusing even for us big kids. Because, you know, we sing that song uh, that we'll sing at the end of the service tonight, Silent Night, Holy Night. It's a beautiful song. And while we do sing that song and images are conjured in our imaginations of a great peace, rich Christmas peace, whatever you picture in your mind. It, it's so compelling that it, for a moment, almost takes us in. But I say for a moment, because if you're like me, um, Christmas Eve is not necessarily always a time filled with peace. And I just watch some of the logistics of families happening around the church uh, tonight, and I see the challenge is one guy... He says, oh, I've got to have the car parked at this side of the house and then get everyone in the, the, the church and the thing, you know, this just the mechanics of getting everybody in doesn't feel very uh, peaceful. And even the whole season, you know, 
We've been running and parking and shopping and buying and folding and stamping and sending and delivering. And getting to church is is a challenge. Um, I know that you've got uh, dishes in the oven. There are presents to wrap. There are guests to entertain. And it's a wonderful night, but it's a little bit stressful. Getting everybody dressed, getting everybody into the car, getting everybody out, getting them into the parking place, getting into the right service, finding a seat. And, you know, you, you never know what you're going to find in the dim religious light of a church. Um, you know, you kind of move along. Someone said that they were asking, uh, is this seat saved? person in the dark said, uh, no, but we're praying for it. <laughs> Be very careful on Christmas Eve. And I thought about, you know, but tonight, and I thought, what do I need, and maybe what do you need, and if there's one thing that we could have tonight, it would be just to take an hour, just an hour, to be together and just kind of catch our breath and have a rest. And if you need that, great. Just take a deep breath, let your shoulders drop, and rest. But there's a higher purpose for our worship tonight. And there's a greater rest than just uh, one hour's respite from the hustle and bustle of life. There is real peace to be had on Christmas Eve. And that's what the story is all about. That's what the angels are announcing, right? Peace on earth and goodwill among those whom God favors. And I don't know all of you. I may not know you yet, but one thing I think I do know about you and that's that you're like me in that you need peace. We all need peace. You may have brought with you tonight a marriage that's in a whole world of pain. You may have finances that are in ruin. You may come with a diagnosis that terrifies you. Tonight you may carry with you a hidden loneliness. Or as one person said to me, George, I'm five days sober. But you're not sure if you can get that sixth day. We need peace. We have so little in the world. We have so little in our lives. And the truth is we don't know where to get it. We don't know what to do about that need. If someone were to tell us that there were peace available in the, in the, in the midst of what we're going through, we would say, well, that would take a miracle. But the good news is that's just exactly what Christmas is all about. Christmas reminds us that God does the, the impossible that God does the absolutely unexpected. He does miracles. 97 years ago, on this night, no one expected peace. It was the bleak midwinter of World War I, the first winter. And there was a, a, a series of trenches that ran through and scarred the border between France and Belgium, Flanders, and you had on one side of a no-man's land the young men of Britain and France, and just a few yards away on the other side, the young men of Germany. And nobody expected that there would be peace on that night with the shrapnel bursting overhead. They thought they'd be lucky just to survive the night, standing freezing, in a slurry of mud and ice in those trenches eight feet below the ground. But, but, 
God had in mind something different. Because on that night, all of a sudden, the sharpshooters on the British side began to see lights emerging out of the German trenches. Maybe those are on a pole. Maybe maybe it's on a bayonet, and they begin to see more and more lights rising. What was that? And the sharpshooters started to fire at them, take a few out. What it was was the Kaiser trying to inflame the war by building the morale. The Germans had sent 100,000 Christmas trees to the front lines. And the Germans begin to celebrate Christmas Eve. They light the candles on these trees, and then they raise them over their heads to set them on the parapets. It's a true story. And uh, as the night wears on, the British begin to hear music. They hear worship. They don't make out the words, their German words, but the tune is unmistakable. Silent night. Holy night. And one of the British soldiers starts to sing along. All is calm. All is bright. And soon troops on either side of them begin and, and the enemies are joining together to sing a song of worship about Jesus Christ who is the center the center of that war, the center of their lives, the center of our lives, the center of the universe. A soldier's diary tells the story. He writes, we stuck up a board with Merry Christmas on it. And the enemy stuck up a similar one. Two of our men threw their equipment off and jumped up on the parapet with their hands above their heads as two Germans did the same. Our two going to meet them. They shook hands. And we all got out of the trench. And so did the Germans. That night, there was a Christmas miracle, the unexpected. They gathered their dead. They exchanged trinkets. They worshipped together. They ate together. They even played soccer over, over several days in places, even through New Year's. This Christmas truce captured the imaginations. And it's not about battle weariness, and it's not about the power of music or a song. It's about the power of Jesus Christ who brings peace. Well, that's history. But what if, what if God would work a miracle of peace in your life tonight, this Christmas Eve? God did it for Simeon, this man who had been looking his whole life for peace. God had told him, you'd be looking for peace, you'll see it before you die. But all of us are looking for peace. We don't need to tell anybody to look for peace. We look high and low. We, we, we sample everything the world has to offer. We think that maybe if we could fix our relationships, if we could fix our kids, if we could fix our bank accounts, if we could fix our job, if we could fix our health, if we could fix our beauty, maybe then we'd have peace. But I don't know, maybe you can fix all those things. Even if you could, you would never have the peace that God wants to give you in Jesus Christ. And it's on that day that Luke tells us Simeon, guided by the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, means Simeon had no idea why he chose to go to the temple that day. That's theological language. The experience is, I don't know, I'm just going. And I, I just can't help but wonder whether you're here for that same reason, that whether you're here tonight is it not possible that the Holy Spirit guided you here tonight just to hear God say to you, I love you and I want to give you my peace in Jesus Christ? What if it could happen? 
Do you wonder what it would look like in your life? I, I want to suggest to you tonight, it would look no different for, for you and for me than it looked for Simeon. Simeon looks at this child. It's a baby. And he says this. He prays this prayer. If, you're, if you've been around the church, you've, you may have heard the Latin name for this prayer. It's called the Nunc Dimittis, which is totally unimportant to the sermon tonight. You can forget that. But basically what it means is you get to go in peace. That's what Nunc Dimittis means. You get to go in peace. And he prays this prayer. He looks at this child and says, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the presence of all peoples. And you go, Simeon, what have you seen? Because he's seen nothing. He's just seen a baby. There's not even a halo. It's just a baby. But he's seen everything. So when you and I look into that major and we see the Son of God, Jesus, we see the peace that we've been looking for all of our lives. And we can have it that night. We can have it tonight. You may say this is preposterous. Well, it is. It's as preposterous as singing on a battlefield. It's as mysterious as God is a baby. It's as absurd as the cross and resurrection. What would it look like in your life? Well, it would look just the same as it did for Simeon, who said, you're dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, which means, God, you've kept your promise to me. and He wants to keep his promise to you, too. Listen here to some of the promises that God has made to us in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, for example, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. This implies that you realize that you're carrying a burden that you can't carry. This implies that you realize that Jesus has the answer for that burden. Or Jesus, again, he promises, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. This implies that you and I tonight can turn to Jesus and find a peace that we can't find anywhere else in the world. Jesus promises, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This implies that Jesus offers us a peace that is bigger than our biggest battle. Whatever you face. Jesus promises all things work together for good for those who love God. This implies that we can trust him to redeem even the barren places of our lives. And he promises finally, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This implies that we are never alone and that God wants to walk with you through the darkest trenches of your life. What would it look like in your life? A friend of mine told me that yesterday he was at the gym and he was riding on the stationary bicycle next to a young woman in her 30s. And they were talking about all the long faces that they saw so close to Christmas. Where's the cheer, you know? And she said, well, after Christmas, I'm getting divorced. She said, you know, um, I, I've seen this coming for the longest time. Uh, there's no saving the marriage. And I just begged my husband that he would wait until after the holidays, you know, for the sake of the kids. And she says, as I've looked at this coming, I, I thought, there's no way I can handle it. I have no idea how the kids and I will, will make it. Except I want to tell you this amazing thing has happened. A little over a year ago, I came to faith in Jesus Christ. 
And I don't have the answers for our future, but I do know this. He is going to be with us, and I have peace. Nothing is hopeless when Jesus is around, and I know it will work out. That's the gift he wants to give us tonight. That's the peace that we see when we look into the manger. What do you see? You see a heavenly peace? Do you see your peace? That's what Christmas is all about. Christ the Savior is born. As you sing that song, I I want you to consider singing it to the Lord Jesus and saying yes to him. Be my peace. See, Christmas means that God is with you. God is for you. God is after you. He's seeking you. Frederick Beekner says here, I paraphrase a little bit. He says, once you've come to see God in the manger, you can never be sure where he'll appear again or to what ludicrous depths he will sink in his wild pursuit of your life. Nunc dimittis. We get to go in peace. It doesn't mean that you'll win your battles. It doesn't even mean that your battles will soon be over. But it does mean this. God loves you, and he has come to take on flesh. And he is stepping into the trench with you tonight to be there with and for you. So tonight we get to go in peace. We get to sing that song, and we get to go in peace, trusting him that there is a peace in him bigger than our battles, that there's a peace in him that's better than any peace we can manufacture for ourselves. And that is the gift that God is dying to give you. He will not have peace until you have peace. Let's receive that gift tonight. Let's celebrate it and let's share it. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, what a mystery. We hold out to you tonight broken hearts and hands and just confess we need it. We need your peace. We do, all of us. But also, we believe we're hearing your voice in this text and we want to open our lips as we sing that song and say to you, Lord Jesus, we believe that you are our peace. So come, come, win us over. We uh, turn ourselves to you tonight with eagerness and faith. In Jesus' name, amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.